Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Meredith Lewis, also known as Danger Meredith, who has just written Ask for the Moon, Innovation at Shaw Brothers Studios. Uh, this is a new book about Shaw Brothers, obviously. Um, so, Meredith, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and what uh, prompted you to write this book? Well, hi, Brendan. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm a long-time fan of martial arts movies, uh, including Shaw Brothers, obviously. Um, in my life, I started off a million years ago when I was young as a dancer and choreographer, and I think that's one of the things that makes me so interested in martial arts movies. I love the movement. I love the choreography. Uh, I love the physical performances. Um, but I've also worked as manager, so producing other people's shows and artwork. So I've also been very interested in the behind the scenes, the business side of the arts, um, what it takes to produce a, a work of art, be it cinema or a theatre show, book. So I think all these interests came together in me wanting to write this book. And... And just for those who um, who maybe don't have the book yet, what uh, what does the book cover? Uh, the book is it's called Ask for the Moon, and its subtitle is Innovation at Shaw Brothers Studio. So I was really interested in the fact that um, Shaw Brothers, particularly Sir Run Run Shaw, came up with this production model, a, a way of producing movies. Quickly producing movies that were popular, um, that looked good. Uh, so Run Run Shaw was out to make money. He loved film, but he wanted to make money. He was a businessman. Produced a, a formula for making films, and um, a lot of the Shaw Brothers films are formulaic in a way. They they look the same. They all seem to have the same plots and the same actors, but. When you watch Shaw Brothers films, they're still entertaining, uh, they're very creative. So I was really interested that a lot of Shaw Brothers directors, choreographers and actors could bring their own individual creative vision, even while they were fulfilling Sir Run Run Shaw's template. It's an interesting mix and I wanted to write about that. And, uh, and and you, you do cover a number of directors in the book. I know that um, I, mm. I, off the top of my head, I, I remember I saw that King Hu is mentioned in there. I think Cho Yuan is mentioned. Yeah. I think you might have Lao Kar Lung and Cheng Che. Is that is yes. that correct? That's absolutely correct. I mean, so many really talented directors worked for Shaw's, but I decided to, um, in the beginning of the book, the first few chapters, in general and films in general, but then I wanted to break it down and look at some individual directors as case studies and those four directors that you mention, uh, four, four of the case studies in the book, they all get a chapter to themselves. And, and, and what sort of things do you maybe uncover without getting, I guess, into too much detail because you want people to read the book, mm -hmm. but, uh, but what, what are some maybe some interesting things about each of the directors that maybe people didn't know or they didn't think about? 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm that's that's a section of the book that uh, I, I just got my copy, so I'm only about 30 pages in. But I can tell people this is a very engaging book, and those are the chapters that I'm particularly right. interested to read. So, um, so I don't know what, what, what uh, you know, just I guess uh, just details. Um. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of those particular directors, I think I chose those directors because they had very strong visions for what they wanted to, to do with film. Um, so I realised years ago I was watching because I love them and I was thinking to myself, you know, I think I could pick this guy's style. It's so clear, even if I didn't know he was the director. But then I thought, but it's still obviously a Shaw Brothers film. Yeah. So with Chul Yuen, it's it's sets and costumes. Uh, what I discovered in my research for the book was that he was an incredibly versatile director who could work in any genre really well, very yeah. talented man. So Run Run Shaw just had him make all those wuxia films that were popular at the box office. Um, Lao Ga Lung I, I picked because he just raised the benchmark of... Um, martial arts choreography incredibly uh he just introduced a, a new level of very beautiful um detail in choreography um, um he was a real operator behind the scenes very very clever at advocating for his position at shaw brothers and making sure his projects got um got supported um chung chet of course was monumentally influential at Shaw Brothers. Um, I didn't know, here's a little bit of trivia, I didn't know that before he worked at Shaw's he'd published a book of poetry. Um, he'd also worked in politics, he'd worked for the uh, Taiwan. So he was quite a versatile man before he even came to film directing. Um, King Hu, whose films I also love, I chose him again because he's an incredible innovator in film. Um, but he had a miserable He only one film at Shaw's, Come Drink With Me, and it was a horrible experience for him. So I thought his experience at Shaw's was a case study of what happens to an artist who does not get on with their producer. And, and do you know what the specific situation was there, like what the conflict was? Because I've always heard that, and, and I've even heard that like the end of Come Drink With Me wasn't directed by King Hu. I don't know how true that is, but I've always heard that from people um, that 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 he sort of you know left during production, um, and and it's it's a, it, I've always been fascinated by this idea of what if King Who had stayed with Shaw Brothers, what sort of mm -hmm. movies would we have had? But uh, do do you know the the specific circumstances? Well, I, I it took a little bit of detective work, but um, I spoke to to the conflict. Um, it's interesting, picking up on your comment, uh, what would have happened if King Hu had stayed at Shaw's? I forget who it was, but one of the, the academics I I um, read for my research, I think Stephen Chu, made a really good point that maybe if King Hu had stayed at Shaw's, he would not have been able to carry on with his particular innovations in filmmaking. Mm. He might have been constrained by the formula there. So we might not have had films like um, Dragon Inn or A, a Touch of Zen. But uh, I believe King Hu did finish off Come Drink With Me, but not in the way he wanted. Okay. Um, one conflict 
I'd read about between him and Run Run Shaw was King Hu was sort of, uh, he, he brought in a new way of filming action, um, a new level of detail and um, made the action more dramatic and um, actually fulfil a, a role of bringing drama rather than just being movement. Um, Cheng Pei Pei is quoted as saying that he was experimenting with his actors on the set to find a new way of making movement and filming it. But this is incredibly time-consuming. I know as a choreographer, it's really time-consuming. Uh, and I think Sir Run Run got pissed off that he was taking too long to make this film. And um, one account I read was where Sir Run Run said, you've got three days to finish this. And King Hu said, I want three weeks. And they had okay. that. So King Hu had to finish the film more quickly than he wanted and felt pressured for time. Um, I also read an interview with Cheng Pei Pei, I think, where she said that the studio King Hu was making around costuming, around um, art direction, that kind of thing. So the impression I got was of King Hu wanting to carry out these experiments on set and Sir Run Run really insisting that making a template or formula be followed very rigidly. And I, I think it came down to two very different approaches to filmmaking, yes. really butting heads. It sounds like it because, I mean, you, the way you describe Shaw Brothers, it has a real assembly line sort of approach where it mm. takes that, you know, that that's that's that sort of structure. Uh, and 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 King Hu is is, you know, obviously, you know, taking his time and uh, and, and, and a little bit more uh, involved in a lot of the individual details. It sounds like I've always heard that he was very involved in even like you said, like the costuming and things like that. Um now, I'm curious about, with your background as a choreographer, what's your impression of King Hu's later work uh, and and how he innovated? Because I've always heard he's innovative. I can kind of see it. I have a background in martial arts, but not in choreography or dance or anything like that. And... And and I and I and I really when I, when I watch it I, I'm always very curious about well what's the specific thing that is making this different from the other things that I've seen. Well, for me to put it before King Hu, martial arts films were they were still fun to watch and they still used movement well in that uh, the movement was often dynamic and entertaining and brought a burst of energy to the film, but um, the wasn't very detailed or specific often. Uh, I'm generalising here, uh, but it, it was for me it was a flail fest. Um, limbs were flailing around. There was a blur of movement, and uh, it really it was um, movement to bring energy into the film, which they still did very skillfully. Even early martial arts films are well worth watching. Um, and the odd um, choreographer, I think, did try and bring some more specificity or some more detail in but generally it was it was just what, what King Hu did was um, I think really appreciate uh, a couple of things about movement he appreciated that movement could define a character or push plot forward so if in Come Drink With Me you think about in um, in the tea house uh, where where Golden Swallow 
encounters the bad guys for the first time and um, and all the business, all the physical business they, they undertake. And it's really telling us that this woman's incredibly skilled, mm. a lot of nerve, very resourceful. It's a really witty scene um, as well. You know, I'm thinking of things where they're throwing the coins and, and making characters out of where the coins land in the wood. Uh, there's, there's a lot of wit as well. Um, who appreciated was how beautiful movement could look. Um, and I've read quotations from him where he said he was really interested in martial arts movement also almost as a form of dance and he was incredibly inspired by Chinese opera. So he as interested in authentic martial arts as he was in graceful performative movement. Um, so he really, the way he filmed movement and edited it, um, he really appreciated the beauty of the movement, mm. which, um, as a hoofer myself, I, I really enjoy that myself. Well, come drink with me. I always, that, that, you know, when you look at Cheng Pei-Pei's movements and that, it is it, you can mm. sort of see the dance quality uh, in a lot of it. So, so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, now, what about... Uh... I was a ballet dancer, of course, before she went into shop. So you can see that, I think. Yeah, because I've always noticed with her, even when she's not, like in the King Who movie especially, you see that. But even in the, because the other movies, they kind of go back to that more swashbuckly style, some of the other films they have mm -hmm. her in after that. Um, but if you look at her footwork, you really, like, that's the thing I always notice is she's really placing her feet in position. Um, <laughs> and 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 you, you and, 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 and it's particularly graceful with her. Um, but uh, what... What? Agreed, and I think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying about Chen Pei Pei. Um, you can see the way, as you said, the way she places her feet, uh, and the way she places her body uh, in terms of the ballet world. We would talk in terms of having a nice line, and she does. So I'm quite sure to a, a bona fide martial artist like yourself, it probably doesn't look authentic, but it, it does look graceful. And I know in interviews with Cheng Pei Pei, I've heard talk about how much she appreciated that and enjoyed working with, um, with that kind of choreography. Well, from a martial arts point of view, the footwork was what stood out to me because I was like, oh, that is very good footwork and, and footwork something that everybody has to develop. And and so, I mean, again, and one of the things I always noticed is people that came to martial arts from a dance background usually excelled because they already had that physical movement in place. They already knew how to follow the instructions and they understood like the basic principles uh, of, of just, you know, how to move your body. So... So I, I think I, I definitely I mean, she's one of my favorite stars for that reason. Um, she was she was probably the one that really kind of got the got me to uh, uh, sort of get the bug for Shaw Brothers films. Um, but uh, but what about some of the other directors? Like what about Shang Che? I mean, he has a much different style than uh, than King Hu, obviously. Uh, and, and I guess he kind of fits fits in quite well with the or at least he seems to for my eyes for the uh, the Shaw brothers approach to filmmaking much better at Shaw's than did King Hu um, I think as a personality he just got on better with Run Run Shaw and his producers um, I read in, again in my research for the book a, a couple of uh, people um, 
wrote about how Chung Chet and Run Run Shaw had slightly similar backgrounds. They both came from well-off families. They were extremely well-educated and they valued education and literacy. Um, they both were both from... So there, there was an initial bond. Um, that they tended to share a worldview, I think. So Chung Chet seemed to get on much better than King Hu. Um, but I, I read his memoir, which is really worth reading, by the way, for anyone interested in his films. It is it has to be if I read it, and uh, very interesting. But he, I, I didn't catch that last. It seems bit to there. overall enjoy. Sorry, um, it, I read Chung Che his his memoir, mm -hmm. uh, which I really recommend because it's really. Um, but it, it paints quite a cosy picture. He got on well with Run Run. They seem to share a worldview. They seem to be able to talk to each other with mutual respect. So he was a better fit for the culture at Shores. And, and, and that he, meant he was better able to projects and get them green-lighted. Yeah. Now, the memoir is not... I, I've looked for the memoir. I've had a hard time obtaining it. Do you know where people can get it if, mm -hmm. they, if they're interested in finding it? I also had a hard time. Um, <laughs> to my joy, that it was actually available... Um, in a university library and when I was researching the book I was um, working as a contractor as a, at a university as a professional staff member but I could still tap into the library system mm. via that so I, I got it and I made copious notes and did lots of photocopying and, and before I had to give it back but I, I think it's out of print um, so the best thing is to try your local library or a library system but okay yeah, that, that's what I should have done. <laughs> but it's not, but well, for, it's, it's because there's probably going to be a lot of people that, that maybe do want it and won't be able to obtain it. What's, what's the, what does the book contain? Like what, uh, what, what was the experience of reading the book and, and what information is in there that maybe surprised you? Um, the, the book was mostly written by Chung Che. Um, there's a few essays talking about his work, but it's really him mostly reminiscing about um, about. Uh, he does uh, give you uh, an overview of his life, um, so there's an autobiography contained in there, but he also talks a lot about his views about film um, and uh, his experiences as a filmmaker. He does give good insight into I think the way the man thought and, and um, you, you get a strong feel of his personality I think mm. yeah and uh, which was me researching the book you know I, I wanted that yeah no and as a choreographer again what would what was your impression of Cheng Che's style because he definitely has his I, I can't think of two more different directors than him and King Hu um, at least from Shaw Brothers uh, you know what, what? You know what? From just from the choreography point of view. Well, well he um, he brought on board good choreographers, of course. He he worked a lot with Lao Ka Lung and um, people like Tan Che as well. And uh, I felt like so. I'm not sure that he he himself put a lot of, but I think the way he staged choreography, the way he filmed it, the way it was edited. Um, also, the way he 
slotted choreography into the plot where he chose to put fight scenes. Um, he, he had a lot of skill in using that highlight what he wanted to say about a certain character or the experience they were going through or themes in the film. Um, it's something I think martial arts film making does in general really well is how they use and where they make choices of where you put plot. Um, and I think that a lot of that started with, with Chung Che. I think he had such a great eye for that. For me, he's a, a director who directs really tight, pacey films. The pace is always great, and that's why his films are always really kind of compelling and really pick the viewer up and carry them along. And, uh, and also he kind of has – he's an interesting director because he has these phases too. He has sort of the early – the early phase of the, you know, like the one-armed swordsman period and then the, the iron triangle period and then the, the venom period. Um, but uh, what, what uh, because you mentioned the, the, the action directors, uh, and I know one of the directors that you, uh, you focus on is Lau Kar Lung. What was your assessment of Lau Kar Lung in the book? Uh, he's amazing. He's amazing. And, and as somebody who used to choreograph, I mean, he's... It, for me, you know, he's uh, just super impressive because his work is uh, so beautiful. He really could come up with really beautifully detailed, uh, very beautifully detailed um, phrases of movement, very specific details, really shapes that he found for his performers, um, great energy. Uh, and as a director, as somebody who then understood how to use his own choreography, um, he's really interesting. Uh, again, it's um, it, his film and great pace, but as a director, he also explores some really interesting territory. He uh, does some interesting things with comedy, for example, um, you know, like the spiritual boxer and shadow boxer. Um, he did some interesting think with gender he has some really interesting roles for women in his yeah. films um, which are quite remarkable and I thank him for that because one thing um, I'm not so keen on Chung Che is that he uh, was was against featuring as heroes in his films whereas um, although I think he's a really great director but Lau Ka Lung comes up with some really really interesting roles and some really interesting playful stuff around sexuality so um i, I think he he could do stuff yeah no it's it's actually choosing themes it's kind of surprising when you see some of the lao kar lung movies like you see like clan of the white lotus and these these films where mm. he really does some things that you you wouldn't think would would uh would be in a movie from that era from you know that part of the world but it's it's uh it's interesting um yes yeah and, uh, and, and I think he was he was he was also pretty well placed at Shaw's because he was allowed to do that, you know, and and really allowed to push Sir Run Run's filmmaking formula and and play around with it a little bit. He got away with some stuff, I think. Yeah, well, like I mean, My Young Auntie is a very unusual movie, and it definitely. I mean, mm. I know that they did a lot of different genres and stuff, but it's one that it seems like it was much more experimental in terms of. Mm. Um, this, you know, just the, I don't know, the, 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 what genre it even was. Um, you know, that could be a whole conversation, I think. Yes, yeah. But 
no, he, he definitely he definitely had a good play, but I think it came out of his um his understanding of, of how to manipulate physical performance and where you could take that and what you could play with with that. Um, he just everything he does is underpinned by that extraordinary understanding of martial arts technique. And did he did he train a lot of his actors personally? Was there um, was there tutelage from him to to the the actors that featured in his movies? Absolutely. Um, one thing about and and you might have already read it in the chapters you read, but Shaw's Movie Town, their huge mega studio, um, it had all these facilities for housing actors and for training them. So they ran their own training school. Um, that that uh, promising actors could go through and as part of that training school they had their own little martial arts school for um, and Lao Ka Lung ran that martial arts school uh, and I think it must have allowed him to train up actors to the standard that he wanted um, it would have put him in a prime position to talent spot and, and see good actors and cultivate them and put them in his own films um, and uh, I also think that he was able to raise the bar nice and high because if, if you've got a very able performer somebody who really has a little bit of technique and good physical capability then you can set far more complicated choreography on them than you can on somebody untrained yeah. so yeah I, I think um, Lau Ka Lung was very instrumental in um in raising the level of physical performance at Shaw Brothers. Now, for, for those who don't know, could you maybe explain a little bit about what Movie Town was um, and, and I don't know, what made it so special? Uh, Movie Town was amazing. It, it was the kind of English nickname for um, the, the studio that Sir Run Run Kong. Um, and uh, it was massive. It was absolutely huge. Um, I've got the book here and I could look up the numbers. I've got a bad head for numbers. But it was it was really vast. Um, people who watch Shaw Brothers, like I do, recognise a lot of sets from different films. So you watch different films, but you'll see the same architecture, the same streets, uh, the same little tea houses, the same temples, the same temple steps. That was all there in movie town in this little model um, they had heaps of indoor lots where they could film elaborate things. Um, they also had a, a decent amount of outdoor space. Uh, and then they had the, all those facilities. They had warehouses of sets and costumes and they had stables for horses. Um, they, they, of course, they had heaps of uh, equipment. Um, so Run Run made sure that his filmmakers were really well equipped. Um, bit of trivia, so Run Run had started off as a cinematographer. It was his first job ever. So I think he really understood that good equipment was important. Um, there were dormitories at Movie Town. So actors and directors were expected to live in the studio so they didn't waste any time getting to and from in the morning. Um, they were expected to live there. They had cafeterias where they ate. They had basketball courts where they played. So it was like this whole little filmmaking suburb. Um, and and it, it was just vast, but it was assembly line earlier. So Ron, Ron did want to churn out films on an assembly line pattern. So he made this kind of um, live-in factory for filmmaking. 
Uh, movie Town was extraordinary. I really wish I could have travelled back in time and just walked around its streets and, and watched those movies. No, I mean, the sets are one of the things that make Shaw Brothers, in my opinion. You re- you re- the sets really... Uh, and I know I, I, it's one of the things I sometimes have difficulty with when I try to get uh, people who are uh, maybe younger than me to watch Shaw Brothers. They might not be as accustomed to watching movies done on sets. But once you get used to the sets, I think it's it's fabulous. It, it really creates a world and it brings you in. Um, but... Uh, it's, it's so true. I, I couldn't... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I, yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, even though you do recognise the same sets, although they get dressed differently, it's fascinating, and it does create a whole little world of its own, and it does pull you into that. Um, and I remember having a Twitter conversation a few years ago with other fans of Shaw Brothers. I know the sets don't look natural; they look very theatrical and very artificial, but I, I kind of like that. Yeah. It actually appeals to me. It makes me feel like I'm watching a real movie. And other people were agreeing, saying, yeah, it adds to the atmosphere. It really adds to it somehow. It's, it makes- I think it's like a cartoon. You know cartoons can kind mm-hmm. of draw you in in a way that a live-action film can. I think it's the same thing. It creates this sense yeah. of surreal. Like, you, I don't know, maybe there's just something baked into us when there's a set we know we're supposed to be immersed in the imagining of what's going on. But it, it, I find it really draws me in a lot. Um, and, and uh, you know, but, but I do recognize that for a lot of people, it can sometimes be that hurdle to get into them because they, uh, you know, you don't see so many sh- uh, movies on sets anymore. But uh, but I think this is a good segue into Choi Wen because he's kind of known for the, uh, you know, the visual displays and the costumes. And uh, and I'm very curious. He's I, I mean, I love all, all of the directors we've discussed. I, I adore. He's the one that really resonates with me the most i think of all the shaw brothers directors and i'm i'm curious what your what your assessment of him was sorry was that Ch- Choi yuen you were Ch- talking yes, about Choi yuen i apologize yeah yeah i i um sorry it just cut out for just a second when you said his name but i thought it must be because <laughs> i i love his i think i feel about his films the same way with you um he is one of my favorite filmmakers um he, I mean, so Run Run Shaw offered his directors incredible resources, uh, but Chung, uh, sorry, Choi Yuan seemed to resources and push the look of a Shaw Brother film to its nth degree. Um, nobody can dress a set like um, like they dress it in a, a Choi Yuan film. They just look amazing. They look gorgeous. But it, that's surface kind of razzle-dazzle and underneath I think there's just this really um, beautiful skill in building mood and atmosphere and uh, I think Choi Yuan was seen as an innovator in that he took a, a, a tried and true filmmaking Wuxia or swordplay films but he gave them depth he gave the characters depth and he gave the, the storylines some kind of meaning and depth and I, I, you know, I just love the films for the the mood they convey and uh, that kind of otherworldly atmosphere, really, really well. Yeah, no, he de- he. De- I feel like Choi Yuen. He definitely gets you on an emotional level when you watch his movies. Um, and I, I completely agree with uh, agreed with the characterization. I noticed it with Duel Duel for Gold. I think it was called. That was the one where I really realized that about him. 
Um, and it's an early one, it's, or, you know, in, yeah. the, in the grand scheme of things. Is that the melodrama? Is, is that the melodrama with the two couples? Um, yeah. It, oh, plot spoilers, I guess. But, it, uh, yeah, I, I really like that one as well. It, it's the first time I watched it, I didn't know what was going to happen in the plot. So many twists and turns. And it's just so much fun to watch those dastardly characters take each other on. It's this really great pot-boiling melodrama with this moral edge to it. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's and it's one of these movies where the characters are all kind of unlikable. They they all they're like I, I, they they generally are uh, yeah. not they're, they're not they're not uh, they're not typical heroes by any stretch. And and then that's what drives so much of the drama. So, and 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 also I, I mean I don't know maybe this is yeah. just a, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think they are hugely unlikable, but. They're still compelling. You're still very engaged in what happens to them, and I think that's that's real skill from the director. Um, sometimes, if I'm watching a film with nasty characters, I just zone out. I don't yeah. care what happens. But with Jewel for Gold, I actually care about what's going to happen at the end of the film. I'm still very entertained by these awful people. So I think that that points to real, really skilled filmmaking. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think he does that with a lot of his movies. You see that in, you know, Killer Clans and all these other films where the characters are, are at least questionable in many cases. And it's kind of, it's kind of like a, I don't know, he's got a gritty sort of approach to things that, uh, you know, but but also the razzle dazzle, but that that grittiness of of morality um, just really works for me. Uh, now, did uh. Did you notice a difference over time with with the directors? Like, did they, uh, you know, was there was there, you know, like with Choi Yuen? I, I don't know if this is just something that I built in my head. I always imagine his the the way that he selects his shots seems to be different in his very early films versus his later films, for example. Like when I think of um, when I think of Duel for Gold, and I think of especially like Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. The, the characters all seem to take up so much of the space on the screen. But then when we get to the later movies, I feel like there's the camera is panning back more. I don't know if that's a deliberate change in style or... Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure um, uh, if, if that's kind of a deliberate change in style. One when I was researching for my book and I read um, Cho Yuen's Oral History, which is really, really... I found with a shock that he um, complained of getting a little bit stale with directing wuxia films towards the end of his time at Shaw's. Um, he'd started off as a very uh, versatile director who enjoyed um, different uh, genres. Then when he joined Shaw's and then when he had his first um, hit with a wuxia film, which made lots of money, so Run Run kept on telling him to make more wuxia films, which initially he didn't mind, but by the end of Shaw's, he was getting rather stale with the genre. Mm. Um, I love all of his films. I, I, I think, you know, he did a, a really great job if he was feeling stale. But I, I do wonder um, if that might have affected some of his directorial. And I must admit, I haven't been able to do it yet, but I would love to get his films. St 
started the first finding made for Shores and watched them through chronologically and see if I can pick if there were any any kind of differences um, between early and, and uh, uh, because I, I did I was a little bit shocked to read that a little bit sorry that such a talented artist um, said uh, he literally used the word sick well the English translator used the word sick to um, describe how he felt mm. about towards of his time at Shores. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess after a while, it must be tiring, is <laughs> for a creative person, you know, especially a director, to uh, to to have to engage the same kind of material, um, you know. And I guess, I guess, I I, I I I like you. I I like all of his films, but I I guess I can see a difference between something like that, you know, like *Intimate Confessions* and some of the stuff that came later. Uh, that looks a lot similar to one another. They're all great martial arts movies, but mm -hmm. but that one you see it and you're a little bit stunned by just the wow! I've never seen that sort of thing done on screen before. It looks like there was a lot of thought put into every movement in that sequence. Um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you still see that, uh, but but I can I can see a difference. Um, but but yeah, I, th I think that would be a good experiment. I think you, I think you should do that. You should. You should watch them all chronologically and and uh, and and give a give a, a report on on what you find. Yeah. But what what I mean I know obviously. Um, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. Can I just I'll just jump in. If anybody wants to do that or is interested in that kind of, there's a, a blogger called Silver Emotion, and he is actually he hasn't finished yet, but he is setting himself the task of reviewing all Shaw Brothers films from the earliest one to the last one. So I think he's somewhere in the 70s now, but he's got all these on his blog. So that's quite interesting to follow. Yeah, he, no, he is doing that. He's do, he does a really good job. I like his blog. And there's another blogger who I think might have paused, yes. but he uh, called I Love Shaw Brothers, who was doing something similar, just kind of chronologically going through all the Shaw Brothers films. Um, but oh, so, Silver Emulsion is a he's a very regular blogger too so he's, his blog is always up to date um, and uh, and I think he also might post at um, Shaw Brothers Universe on occasion um, yes but uh, but I I, um, I wanted to know I mean I know that uh, the directors oftentimes that you know they have action choreographers but it, it seems like most directors sort of have a style they go for and uh, what what what's your take on Cheng Che not Cheng Che uh, Cho Yuan and and how uh, you know and his style of of, of of putting martial arts into movies? Yeah, I, I think um, it, it it kind of sort of fits with his um, approach to uh, art direction, uh, but he emphasizes the often emphasizes the 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 beauty of movement. Um, it's not as it doesn't have the same level of, of baroque detail that makes, say, Lao Ka Lung's choreography so fascinating. Um, I, I think for the choreography in Chor Yuan's films uh, emphasise, you know, just this very swift, graceful movement. But it's always uh, dramatically appropriate. You know, it's it, again, it's this very canny use of movement to further a plot, and and um, tell us things about the character and it's it's also very it's very cleverly done in that in in oh, how do i put it uh i think Cho yuan has made good choices around how to use 
choreography to put bursts of energy into his films as well. So he often creates like atmospheres in his films, uh, but it never gets boring or stale because he knows when to position a good fight scene to to give the, the a, you know a change of rhythm or a, a lift of energy. You know, I, I always and 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 I feel like the uh, the fight. And the the, the, the the costuming always really blend very well in a in a Cho Yuen movie. They have the there's I, I when I picture a Cho Yuen fight sequence, I imagine people in robes twirling sort of at an angle. I, I feel like there's a lot of that motion in a in a Cho Yuen movie. Um, Absolutely, I, I think that's a really good point. They're just elegant, you know. And I, I think he did have a great eye for for how material flows and drapes and for how bodies can flow. I think that's a great point. And uh, and and to get back to the, the just the book itself, what what was um what was what was this experience of writing it like? Like, did you did you did you just consume lots of Shaw Brothers movies? Did you, did you do a lot of research? Did it change the way that you view movies in general? Um, I, I think I it was the result of watching lots of Shaw Brothers movies. That's for sure. Um, and I think. Um, it's interesting, I was watching the movies at a stage in my life where I didn't have a lot of uh, but I was working in this very low-paid job. I was working near a store that was selling the movies. Uh, and, of course, when I got some money together, I could buy some online. So I went through a phase where I didn't go out a lot or anything like that, and I was working very long hours and very tired. But I would watch the Shaw Brothers movie. between when I bought new movies, I'd re-watch a lot of movies. Yeah. So I, I was thinking a lot about them um, and relying on them in my own life as a, as a circuit breaker, as a mood lifter. Um, but I also do work a lot in project management and I work a lot with creative people. I was thinking about this challenge of, of how do you put together creative projects? How do you produce um, uh creative works of art uh, create them so it was a really good book to I, I guess I, I really wrote to a lot of my life experience and was able to um, review my own life experience both as a creator and as an arts manager and that was really fine really great um, I, I wrote it it took about two years to write at, at night times and on weekends um, and I think it, it made me look at the films afresh and uh, just deepen my them very much so. Um, it, it was a very rewarding thing to do. I've been blogging for years about the films, so it was like taking that blogging to the next level. And I, I found it really hard work, but really, really rewarding. I really enjoyed it. And you had mentioned something in there about uh, re-watching the movies when you... Uh between sort of like waiting for the, the new movies to come. I'm curious, do you still do that? Did you find as your collection expanded that you had less time to do that? Do you think that's something that people don't do enough of? Um, look, I, I don't, I'm not doing it as much as I once did. I really did glut on them for a few years. A few years ago, I just watch nothing but Shaw Brothers movies every night. Mm. Um, I still watch them regularly, like, uh, you know, a, a few a week or a couple a week. Uh, 
not that same intensive rewatching. And I think now that I have written the book, um, it might taper off a little bit. I, I want to get back to watching other martial arts films eventually. Um, I mean, I set myself the goal years ago of blogging about a film, and I haven't quite finished that, so I wouldn't mind going back and finishing that one off, um, that personal project off, as just as a blogger. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting re-watching them and... Um, relationship to the films and I'm happy to say that writing the book and researching it and watching them so intensively it hasn't wrecked the films for me they re repay re-watching mm. they're really quite fascinating films um, I think people often not you and me often dismiss them as being these crazy schlocky films but they're better than that and they're deeper than that you know there are more layers to them no, I, I agree, and and again, I think I think you're you're wise to you have to you do have to kind of uh, you can't just intensely watch the same kind of movie for years and years. You have to sort of shuffle things around and and occasionally, you know, go go back to other styles of film. Um, with the uh, with 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 the dismissing of the of the quality of the movies that you sometimes encounter, I I I, I, I hear that a lot from people. I, I hear you know like or if they praise the movies, they'll often be like a backhanded sort of. Well, you know, I, when I lower my standards, I can enjoy. You know, they'll, you'll hear things like that. Um, but but I my experience of watching them has been that th that there's there's really something to these films. Um, and I can't always put my finger on what it is. Uh, I think some of the stuff in this book is is helping to do that. Uh, but like I think of like a movie like Hero Shed No Tears, which you know to to the to a lot of people would probably just look like you know you know just a, uh, a standard martial arts movie. When I first saw that, for whatever reason, I had to keep rewatching it over and over. I just kept mm -hmm. playing it again and again. Um, and I don't think you do that. The same. Yeah, you you don't do that though if it's not a if there isn't something there to to revisit. You know there there was something drawing me back to it. Um, and and I'm wondering, do you have any sense of what what it is about these movies that's that, you know like why they shouldn't be dismissed? I I um yeah and I love Heroes Shed No Tears as well. Times as well. So yeah, I, th I think these films um, draw you in and, and pay rewatching uh, because they're complex. There's incredible layers of meaning to them. Uh, they're not just entertainment. They cover facts. I think they're also really extremely well made. The acting's better than people give it credit for. Um, the choreography is fascinating. It really is fascinating and intelligently constructed, intelligently used as well. Um, the directing's good, it's, it's compelling. So the filmmakers knew what they were doing. They knew how to hold your attention, are incredibly audience-focused. Um, but they also dealt with deeper themes, you know, deems, uh, themes of oppression, of identity, nationhood, justice so that they can be quite deep. Um, and I think as a, as a white viewer, there's a, a further challenge where you, you're trying to make sense of this output from a whole other culture. And I really love that challenge. I really love um, expectations around what constitutes storytelling, what a film should look like, 
that's constantly challenged by Shaw Brothers films. They, they tell stories differently to Hollywood. Um, the illustrator for the book, Rebecca Stewart, who did a fact, I think, but she was watching some of these films as her research and she used to study film and actually lecture in film and she said to me it's just a very different way of um, storytelling than we're used to in the West but it's telling and Shaw Brothers films are very confident storytelling vehicles so I think for a lot of reasons they're, they're compelling films and um, there's more to them than they're given credit for. And, uh... No, and I, I would agree, and I, I, I think that's, given the technical difficulties we've had, we probably want to quit while we're ahead, um, <laughs> but is there anything you want to add about the book, anything you want to tell people, uh, where they can get it, uh, you know? Um, it's, it, it's just uh, askforthemoon.com.au. Um, so if you go on there, you can follow a, a link to where the book's on sale and buy it online. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I think I'm going to put it out there via Go to the website, askforthemoon.com.au. Um, if, I, I love dialoguing about this stuff in general, so people can find me at, um, at foothoughts, F-U-T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S, on Twitter. And I'm not sure. I mean, you know, the book, what we've been talking about, um, you know, all the different directors and their experience of filmmaking is basically what I do talk to in the book, their experience at Shores. Um, and this interesting question of sticking to a filmmaking template versus being an original filmmaker, that's something I really try and tease out in the book a bit. And it's, I think, a very fascinating and open-ended question. And, and again, I think I mentioned at the start of this, but I, you know, I, I just started reading the book, and it's it's really engaging. I I, I'm, I I think for fans especially, this is a it's it's a solid read. It uh, I don't know, I found it very approachable, and I found it uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. It was, it, you know, you, you never know how easy or hard something is going to be when you when you uh, when you start it. And this one, uh, I found very effortless to sit down with. So. Um, so I think I think it just connects with the material really well. Um, and uh, thank you. It was my it was my intention to make it accessible and there's a lot of great academic writing about the genre, which I love. But I wanted to strike a tone in the book where I was one fan talking to other fans. Yeah, it really it really it really was easy to connect to as a reader. And um, and I yeah I definitely recommend it to people. Um, and I want to thank, thank you for you. coming on. I think, you know, again, I apologize. We've had, we do these interviews on Skype and, and, and I apologize to the listeners because there probably have been some clicks and pops here and there, but, uh, but we're doing this across the globe and there's, uh, and on Skype, yeah. you can never, you, you can never demand perfect, uh, connectivity. So we, uh, we got what we got tonight and, uh, but we, but I, I think you did a very good job speaking through that despite all the difficulties. <laughs> So, um, so well, it, it's it's hard it's hard to stop me, sure, brother. Got to admit. So I could probably underwater about kung fu movies. I love it. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, me, me too. So um, so again, everybody should check out the book. And I think uh, and and just to give the title one more time, it's Ask for the Moon. 
Innovations at Shaw Brothers Studios by Meredith Lewis, and it's ve- it's very easy to get your hands on. It's very affordable, so so go check it out. And uh, I will be back on uh, this Friday with another uh, episode of Wusha Weekend. People can check us out then, and we'll be on more stuff in the coming weeks. So until then, we will talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>